Annyeonghaseyo! Welcome to Afternoon of Delight, where Leah, Megan, and Amy, three American romance novelists discussing all things K-romance from a writer's lens. We fangirl over our favorite actors and actresses, talk up our trope addictions, and nerd out on K-drama deep dives. We'll throw in a few K-pop and K-skincare recs for good measure, because why not ride the haul you wave all the way to shore? So grab some duck bookie and listen to your new favorite unease. Hey, everybody. Hello. Hi there. So (laughs) it's been a week in our house. (laughs) What's going on over there? Well, I feel like, you know, this podcast now has like, you know, like a subheading of like discussing pets. (laughs) (laughs) No, Leah and pets. (laughs) Me and pets. My strife with pets. So my husband, I believe this came up like an imaginary cat and a couple of other podcasts. My husband despises cats. He's a, you know, he got his training as like an ornithologist. He studies birds and he feels like cats are predatory animals and just really does not value their life at all. And he also has like worked on a lot of (laughs) offshore islands where cats have been like dropped off by whalers back in the day and they've like decimated populations of native animals. So we have never had cats. I never had cats growing up because my mom isn't a cat fan. And so they're just not part of like, I've never felt the loss of not having a cat or anything like that. Like I'm kind of like pet ambivalent as we've talked about in this podcast. However, we do have four chickens, a dog, a bearded dragon. And last weekend, so my son is a cat person. (laughs) And last weekend, he came to me. Yeah, somehow. Well, he loves, all he wants to do is live in a tiny house with two cats. Like that's his life stream. And so- He last week came up to me and was like, so, you know, I want a cat. And this is not an unusual conversation. And I was like, yeah, well, no, it's like not a reality for you. Like someday, someday you can have your cat in your tiny house. And he was like, well, (laughs) daddy said that he would be okay with it if I, if you were. And I was like, wait, what? I was like, did a lizard alien steal my husband and like is wearing his skin? Because if I was going to think like my husband's been kidnapped and like an alien is pretending to be him it would be him being like yeah i guess you could have a cat ask your mom so i was like wtf and i was like well then i guess whatever because i'm a masochist and you know i just like people to have joy in their lives so i was like if a cat's gonna bring you deep effing joy i guess it'll just decrease my joy and here we are i guess a cat can be okay So it comes back to my husband who then pulls me aside and is like, look, I thought that you would be the negative one. And I just wanted to win where I could be like the nice parent that was like, yeah, yeah, you can have it. And then I would be the heavy coming in saying no. But instead, I like messed up his strategy by being like, yeah, okay, then. And... (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. Like, I... Yeah, I was like 100% no. So at this point, we are like heavy in cat situation land. <laughs> then my husband started writing to me like during the day because he works upstairs. I work downstairs. So I was sharing with Amy and Megan texts I was getting from him because now that he, this is like becoming inching towards a reality, like panic is setting in for him. So he was like, you know, can we get like a 10 year old cat? And I was like, <laughs> I, I get where you're going with this. And I, I can't say I don't like it. 
but I don't want to like hospice. That kettle live till it's 30. That yeah. Kettle yeah. Till it's 30. Yeah. I don't want like, I don't want to be like CPRing like with tiny paddles on like a cat, geriatric cat, you know, like cat, do you have like a do not resuscitate directive? I don't know. And so, oh um, so I was like, no, no, I'm not getting like a super old cat. And then he was like, okay, how about five years? And I was just like, sure. Like, honestly, I don't effing care. Like, I can't believe I'm this big of a chump, but like truly I would be so happy living in a house with no pets. So happy. Like a house plant or two would give me like some air plants. Like that's great. <laughs> and like, you know, I like my children. I feel like I made this investment. Like, you know, I didn't want pets. I had three children. Like that's a pet. Right. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> like that's, that fulfills me on like a pet level. <laughs> and so, right. Right. But my, you know, my ki- my kids and my family all love pets. And so like they all get like my daughter gets huge fulfillment watching the chickens and the chickens are like her thing. The other one loves that bearded dragon. I've never even touched it. And like she like has it crawling on her at like all times. And, you know, my husband's got his love affair with the dog and the dog's going to want to eat the cat, too. So I was like, look, maybe problem solved. So the other caveat I put in was if the dog did eat the cat. I'm out at that point. Like that was not my responsibility. <laughs> like a contract. So, like you're like signing. Have the family sign a contract. Yeah, I was just like, mommy's not picking up entrails. Yeah, and so look, I don't even know. And I mean, Megan, I think it was you who even shared that. Like the cat chooses the person, not the person yeah. choosing the cat. So I was like, knowing mm-hmm. knowing my luck, it's gonna It'll love choose me. you. It is. Yeah. I, I just and I work like in my son's bedroom. Happen. I just feel, I feel like it too. And I was like, well, yeah. maybe, I, who knows? Maybe I will report back that like my husband, my Grinch heart grew like three sizes in some weird way. I feel like he's just panicked about like our son about to become a teenager. And it's like trying to figure out how to like, you know, have this like yeah. relationship with him or something. I don't know. So anyway, FML, we might get a cat. I see lots of cat pictures now getting sent to me daily by my son so many cats. I don't even know how you begin to choose a cat. <laughs> TB- TBD. <laughs> it's like it's like going to like the wizard store at like Hogwarts. Like there's so many yes. cats. You put on I the went start, to the you put on the starting hat and you get mm-hmm. your cat. Well, I went and looked at the pound and like the cats were just all asleep except for the one that was meowing a lot. And I was like, well, not you. And then all the other ones were just like asleep. And I was like, well, I don't know. I mean, I guess yeah. that's all they do. Yeah, like, really? Is that all they're going to do? Like, No. Like... <laughs> it's not all they're going to do. Can yeah. I give it a Benadryl so it sleeps like forever? I, don't think, I think that's frowned upon. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Sleeping Beauty and I'm Maleficent. And I'm like, I will have you, cat, but can you sleep for 100 years? <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, man. Just kidding. Don't call the pound or what is it? It's not CPS. What do you call for animals? Yeah, look, I mean, Animal at the control. end of the day, I keep these animals in good health. That's you all do. I can say. She sent us a picture of the dog today. And I, I was saw like, that. I just saw that. I was like, yeah. who are you? I've never seen I a picture s- of this freaking dog. And I sent a picture because it was revolting. <laughs> like, it was laying there. Right, she's like, like look at how vulgar. She's like, look at how vulgar she is. <laughs> That's what dogs do. They lay with their belly in the air. And they're like oh, privates God. just getting aired Cats on. I was too. just like... <laughs> I want I an axolotl. TBD, I can't wait. <laughs> we will let you all know. I want if... an axolotl, but like I yeah, we had that talk. Like if anything happened to an axolotl, like we would all be broken. 
Right. Yeah, it's too much PTSD. Well, I really, I feel like this with a cat too. Like, I don't want the cat to get eaten by the dog. I want the dog and the cat. Uh, my life is just going to be shit for like a month while they're like trying to figure <laughs> their stuff out, basically. Oh you know, the dog's going to love the cat and the yeah, cat's going to love you and you're going to be screwed. Most likely the dog's going to hate the cat. Or I'm sorry, the cat's going to hate the dog. Right. The dog's going to love the cat. Yeah. And the cat is going to love you and only you. Like, that's what I think is going to happen. And it's not j- be- just scratch at the door all day because it's not going to want to be in Jared's bedroom. It's going to want to be with me. Mm-hmm. That's what that's what my cats do. They scratch at the door if my door is closed. Ugh. Because Jared's like, oh, I can't wait for the cat to sleep with me every night. And I was like, oh, what if it like doesn't want to? What if it wants to sleep with you? And then it's just going to be like my de facto animal that I never wanted. To join the party. Oh, God. We're going to come to a future podcast recording, and Leah's going to be, like, wearing the fucking cat like a scarf. (laughs) (laughs) There's going to be meows in the background the whole time. Leah's going to baby talk it. It's going to be great. Yeah, I mean, look. completely change. Maybe this is, like, me becoming an S, like, a second male lead, and this is, like, my segue now into the show is, like, my heart is going to open up. And, what a fantastic uh, Or maybe I'll fall in love with the cat and the cat won't pick me. Yeah. <laughs> and then I need another and then I need another cat. I need to be have like I need two now we need two or three cats because I have to keep going till I find my my one. No, hundred percent. No, I'll my live soulmate. alone with no I'll live with no love forever. <laughs> Leah will live with the only cats. It'll just be Leah and a bunch of cats for the rest of her life. <sighs> anyway, those of you who love pets, I'm sorry. <laughs> great i can't wait to hear more but as for today as leah said we are revisiting our second male lead sos so the first episode we did of second male lead sos was maybe over the summer i think it was in april it was in april in I went a- back really in. yeah okay mm-hmm. so you all seem to or all the listeners really seem to love it we got a lot of feedback we've had a few people tweet us in reference to it, but basically we take a second male lead that we feel really bad for and we think deserves a happily ever after. And we write them because we're writers. We write them. Romance happy- writers. Oh, yeah. We're romance <laughs> writers. This is what we do. We give people happily ever afters. So we decided to do another installment of our second male lead SOS. I think that this will probably end up being something we do maybe every six months or every year because there's never a shortage of second male leads who get the full shaft. <laughs> no, I already have who I want to do next. So I think it has to be like at least three times a year because oh, geez, what okay. I want to do next, I can't even talk about because it's a spoiler for a whole other drama and I'm not even going to talk about it at all. Wow. But anyway. All right. <laughs> so let's get to it then. So I'm up first. The second male lead that I'm giving a happily ever after SOS to today is Guy Sun Woo from My Roommate is a Gumio, played by Bae and Hyuk. So while I haven't seen much buzz about him as, say, Han Ji Pyeon <laughs> from Startup, I personally found his character growth compelling. And frankly, this drama put his character through the ringer. You can't help but feel bad for him at the end when he's trying very hard to be a better person than he was when he started the drama. I had to do a little research to remember a couple things that happened during this drama. And so, of course, I read through the amazing wrap-ups that Drama Beans writes. And so a shout-out to the Drama Beans writer who said she felt the plot used and abused him and that she was salty about how, how his character was treated. I agree. And that's why I decided to give him an SOS. 
So a little background on Sunwoo. I will try to gloss over details in order to prevent spoilers for those who haven't seen the drama. But if you really, really, really don't want to be spoiled at all, then skip ahead to the next host's choice. Because like, you know, I got to tell you what happened to him in order to give him an SOS. So, okay, ready? Here we go. So in a nutshell, my roommate Izagumio follows a college student, Lee Dom, played by Hairi, who accidentally swallows the fox bead of Agumio. And in order for the Gumio, Shin Woo Yo, played by Jang Ki Yang, to watch over her and his precious bead, he asks her to be his roommate. It's a funny drama with a dreamy male lead and an absolutely hilarious Hairi. And I just want to make a note. I'm trying very hard to pronounce Shin Wu Yo correctly. I even like looked up some YouTube videos today, but my tongue does not want to do the correct thing. So I'm trying. It's Shin Wu Yo. Shin Wu Yo. And I'm supposed to make like a dip with my tongue. So I'm trying. So just give me some patience <laughs> as I read this. So in the beginning of the drama, I thought Sun Wu might be a villain. He has a reputation on campus as being a player, while Lee Dom has a reputation of being cold to men and never dating. Sun Wu makes a bet with his friends that he can get Lee Dom to date him and like him. He's overly confident, showing off his car and his money as he's from a wealthy family. So yes, I thought he'd end up being a villain, but instead he ended up getting toyed with just as much as the two leads. See, Sun Wu actually starts falling for Lee Dom. When she finds out about the bet, she tells him off, rightfully so. This heroine does not back down. And he's very apologetic and not defensive because at the time he knew he was wrong. Like he had already regretted the bet altogether. So he confesses that he actually likes her. She rejects his confession as she started to fall for Wu Yol. All through the drama, there is a mountain spirit kind of god over the Gumio Wu Yol. He wants to test or generally fuck with Wu Yol for reasons I still don't quite get, to be honest, and it doesn't really matter. So he tries to break up Lee Dom and Wu Yol. He does this by connecting Lee Dom and Sun Wu with a red thread of fate. So essentially, like around their little fingers, there's like an imaginary thread that as the audience, we can see it, but no one can really see it. You know what I'm saying? So meaning they keep running into each other. The red thread keeps them connected. And while Lee Dom knows about this thread, so she can kind of resist, because essentially it's like it's making them care about each other. It really is pulling them together. So she can kind of resist it. But poor Wu Yol has no idea. All he knows is he's like really obsessed with Lee Dom. He's kind of in love with her. He keeps running into her. And at one point he even breaks down and completely cries. Like he's he, it's so sad because he's like, I don't know what's wrong with me. I just I just really like you. And yeah, what's wrong with him is he's being like, again, used and abused kind of by this plot. So honestly, poor guy. I wanted to tell him to give up. And if it wasn't for the thread, he might have. But the thread was kind of making him act, you know? So I felt bad since he couldn't seem to help himself because of, well, fate. So eventually Lee Dom cuts the thread and yada, 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 happily ever after for her and Wu Yol. Sun Wu accepts he lost the girl and decides to study abroad in the United States like his father wants him to. And that's how the drama ends for our poor Sun Wu. It's very kind of unceremonious. He kind of almost does one last confession to her, which I'm like, buddy, let it go. And then he leaves. So it's SOS to the rescue. Sun Wu is attractive, rich, and has learned a lot of life lessons about how he's not better than anyone else just because of his money or his looks. He's been humbled and that changes a person. 
So in the drama, he has a little sister, Guy Sawu, played by Kim Do Yeon. For the record, I really enjoyed her banter with her brother in the drama. So he travels to the United States to study abroad and is walking on campus one day when a figure flies out of the library in a flail of limbs and hair and crashes into him. He looks up to find none other than his sister's best friend, Lee Shae-young. The last time he saw Shae-young, he'd used and discarded her as a date he needed for one of his father's events. At the time, he'd been aware of her crush on him, but he never reciprocated and thought she should have known that they would never be a couple. While her parents were wealthy, they weren't near as wealthy as Sun Wu's parents, so they were never going to be an item. But now Sun Wu has changed. When he sees the immediate shock and anger in her eyes before she guards her expression, he feels a pang of regret. Young spent a lot of her youth doodling hearts around Sun Wu's name in her school notebooks. She always tried to impress him, and on the day he asked her to dress up and take his arm for an important event, she thought that she'd finally made it. Until they went, he hit on another girl while they were there and sent her home with his sister and mother. Embarrassing, but didn't even begin to touch how she felt. So, Sun Wu has been on her shit list. And what made her even matter is that he's still attractive now on this campus in the United States. She still feels her heart flutter when she sees him as if it doesn't remember how he treated her. When she tries to run off quickly, he runs after her and asks if they can get a coffee sometime. She declines and is able to disappear into a crowd of people heading to class. He decides to join an environmental club to make friends. And he finds that not only is Shea Young in the club, she's assigned as his group leader. She tries to get out of it and get him shifted to another group, but he tells the president he's happy with Shea Young as his leader. She steamed and glares at him, but he's determined to work hard for her. They work together over the next month, and Shea Young begins to soften to Sun Woo. He has changed, and he doesn't flirt with other women in the club who do flirt with him, and he doesn't show off his wealth. He pays attention to her, he listens to her, and stays late with her after meetings to help her print extra flyers to hang around campus and other tasks. He finds he likes her. She's not the same young and shy Shay Young. Now she's passionate, a born leader, and very smart. He only wanted to make up for what he did, but now he finds that he likes her. But he's scared because the last time he liked a girl, it crushed him. Late one night, they find themselves grabbing a cup of coffee, and he brings up the event back in the day, apologizing for how he treated her. She accepts the apology, but brushes it off that she hadn't cared at all about it. He knows she's lying, and when he tries to push her to be honest with him, she reacts negatively and leaves quickly. The next weekend, the club spends a few nights in a national park cleaning up trash. In an effort to get away from Sun Woo, Shea Young strays from the group, ends up falling down a riverbank and spraining her ankle. She tries to call for help, but her cell phone has cracked. Sun Woo finds her and picks her up to carry her. As he treks through the woods with her in his arms, she confesses that she did, in fact, like him. That he'd been sort of a prince charming to her back when she was younger, but she hadn't realized that he would use her. So when he treated her the way he did at the event, it shattered her. She avoided dating or getting close to boys because of that. Kind of took away her innocence in a way. So he asked her if he can make it up to her, that he's been through a lot in the last year and knows what it's like to be rejected. But he also confesses that he doesn't only want to make it up to her, he wants to take her on a date. He's been able to get to know her the last month and he admires and likes her. She's shocked at his confession, and by the time they reach the rest of the club, she has agreed to date him. They go out immediately when they get home and share their first kiss. Where else? In front of a claw machine. Hey, we have those <laughs> in the States, too. <laughs> and that's it. I love the claw machine thrown in there at the end. That's awesome. Yeah. Right? I had to. I mean, we have we to do. The States. We do. They're not everywhere, though. Like, <laughs> like they're not ubiquitous. No. Like <laughs> They have to go find one. We have quite a lot in santa cruz because we have a boardwalk here and there are quite a few claw machines at the boardwalk yeah i was thinking (laughs) they could go to like ocean city either new jersey or maryland there's got to be some around that's awesome my kids really like them so anyway i hope i did sun woo 
justice for those of you who've seen the drama i know he didn't get like a lot of attention as a second male lead but i just really really felt like that drama did him pretty dirty so i mean that's why we're here right like for the dramas that do our our fmls dirty like we want to fix that and we're going to yeah i'm really excited to see this drama i am too it's really good. It is. It's. It's. I. I really enjoyed it. Look, it's fun. Like I said, it. I think I said this before in a podcast, but it gave me Goblin vibes in the way the conflict was set up. It's definitely not a Goblin drama that's like super intense, but I kind of appreciated the whole like you know immortal hero, the mortal heroine. It was just I thought it was really cool. Not as bonkers of a fox drama as Tail the Nine Tailed. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I still can't like I still will never get over like all of us like because we're I mean we were buddy watching really well and like texting each other like this is so so freaking good like I can't like it's amazing and then all of a sudden we're like what the hell is happening it just like hit a point where it just went completely yep. off the rails and I, I, and, and I want to like, rewatch it uh, like I, I want to rewatch me Tale too Tale. Because maybe it like what if we watch it? We're like, oh my gosh! Th- I mean, I don't think it I will, don't think it will. What if like <laughs> <laughs> we were incredibly entered? Most of us, I mean, I was incredibly entertained. Like, I got to be honest, I got to the end and I was still like, dude, I loved it. But it's you can't watch it and, and there's no answers. There's no that answers. It's bonkers. Yeah, yeah, like major yeah. plot holes, and you can't act like there aren't. Like the very last scene, <laughs> but I was the very last scene I was is a plot hole. Like. I know it was it was so entertaining and that's why I mean Lee Dong Wook is just God he can do anything right he can do he can play that like silent reaper he can do a cannibalistic serial killer and then he can do (laughs) sexy and then with homoerotic tendencies and then he can do a fox this like sassy fox so yeah Okay, so the second male lead who is worthy of my SOS is Choi Young-do, played by my bae Kim Woo-bin from Heirs slash Inheritors. If you don't know Heirs, it's a 2012-2013 drama written by none other than Kim Eun-suk, and it's the poor little rich boy trope of a drama that I love, a la Boys Over Flowers, but I would argue with much less toxicity. Not zero, but less. So if you have, (laughs) because the poor little rich boy trope, there's toxicity whenever that happens, but we suspend our disbelief and enjoy our fantasy of the poor little rich boy turning into a much better man. And I think that's what happens with Choi Young-do, so I'm excited to talk about him. So if you haven't seen Airs, I'm going to give just a little blurb about it. You know, it's kind of a classic K-drama, so I think a lot of us have seen it. But if you don't want spoilers for it, for the second male lead, you might want to skip around a little bit. As Megan said before, you do have to talk about your second male lead and what happened to them in order to get to their SOS. So Airs in a nutshell, it focuses on the forbidden romance between rich boy and bastard son, Kim Tan, played by one of my other bays, Lee Min Ho. And Cha Eun-sang, your typical girl-next-door type who comes from a poor background only to wind up living in the maid's quarters of Kim Tan's sprawling mansion, where her mother waits hand and foot on Kim Tan's mother, mistress of the house. Of course, Tan's father, for less than altruistic reasons, pays Eun-sang's tuition to the Jaeguk High School, the private prep school all the richie riches go to, and of course, chaos ensues. 
So where does Young Do come in? Young Do and Kim Tan were once best friends and are now bitter rivals because of a past misunderstanding. Every time the two are in the same room, they basically punch each other. Young Do seems like the bulliest of bullies to start, but we learned that his mom ran off when he was younger and he's been raised for the past several years by an abusive father. He is starved for love and attention and the only way he knows how to get it is to act out, to hurt others in order to get a reaction. Even before he knows Cha Eun Sang is connected to Kim Tan, we see Young Do falling for her on his own. And while Leah and I have referred to Eun Sang as a water bottle heroine in previous discussions, I do believe she eventually holds her own with Young Do, even putting him in his place at times. I think it is her being his first love that is part of the reason he is able to grow and change. And by the end of the drama, when he confesses his feelings to her, he's had enough growth that Unsang doesn't brutally rebuff him, but instead tells him that she does care about him, but that she loves Kim Tan. The earlier Young Do would have done something awful, like push her fully clothed into a pool when it's freezing outside. Yes, he does do this earlier in the drama. But when his love is unrequited, he instead accepts it and decides to move on. Sigh. This character. I'm truly not doing him justice. It was my first Kim Woo Bin drama. And as I've said before, I didn't get all the fuss simply from seeing pictures of him online. But the second he walks on screen and one single syllable of that deep, sexy voice drips off his lips, it's game fucking over. And guys, Trae Young Do deserves better. So I'm here to heed his SOS. Here we go. And I'm just tossing this all out there that it has been a day. It has been a week. And while I did go deeper into my SOS than I I did before, I realized that this is like an insta-love story and it needs a little bit more grounding, but bear with me on this. I love a good insta-love. Okay. So don't you worry. I mean, it is the insta-love of insta-love. I'm here for it. I'm here for it. Okay, cool, 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 cool. And mine, mine's in the U.S. too, which I didn't realize that you did that as well. Oh, so fun. Okay. Funny. Well, yeah. I felt like I didn't want to make him come back. You know, he was all, all over there. I wanted to give him a happily ever after quickly. Well, and I'm and I'm going kind of with the framework of heirs, which starts in the U.S. So, oh, here cool. We go. Okay. Yeah. So after graduation and with his father's business possibly going belly up because of nefarious dealings, Choi Young-do can no longer just slide onto Easy Street like he'd planned, but he's not the same Choi Young-do anymore. With his trust fund tied up until his father is investigated, Young-do decides to forego college and Korea altogether. Kim Tan, the two who've buried the hatchet, offers Young-do his beachside home in Los Angeles, California, and a job connection. So Young-do accepts. But when inclement weather detours his flight, his plane is forced to land in Las Vegas. With only two days to get to L.A. and his scheduled interview for the job, Young Do should have no trouble getting to his destination. Except he spent what little money he had access to on the flight. He should have enough to rent a car at Elvis's super discount rentals, though, right? (laughs) Despite his English being a bit rusty, his charm does wonders on the young car rental woman, who is all too happy to set him up with a ride to L.A. in their very last car on the lot. But when she swipes his card, it's declined. She's so charmed by Young Do that she's ready to rent the car to herself and give him the keys. But before she can, a red tank top, leather miniskirt, Doc Martin wearing blue haired young woman who looks Korean but speaks English with an American accent, rents the car right out from under him. He argues that the car was his and she dangles the keys in his face and tells him, beg to differ. Young Do follows her to the lone car on the lot, a two door hatchback, and explains that he needs to be in L.A. two days to restart his life. She needs to be in Crescent City by morning, so she tells him she wins. She unlocks the car and hops in the driver's side door, but as she does, Young Do hops onto the passenger seat. She threatens to spray him with pepper spray, and he holds up his hands, pleading with her to listen. 
He asks for her to let him ride with her to Crescent City, a 14-hour drive. And once they make it there, he suggests he'll take the car to drive back down to L.A. If they time it perfectly, he'll make it just in time for his interview. He tells her his name, shows her his ID, and lets her take a picture of it for evidence in case he is a serial killer, which he assures her he is not. Just in case, she sends the pic to her best friend, who responds with a hard-eye emoji that Young Doe sees. He laughs, but she scowls. She finally tells him her name is Callista Kim, and they set off on the road after a very heated struggle in the Vegas heat to get Young Doe's way-too-big suitcase into the hatchback's trunk. From there, it is, of course, a comedy of errors starting with a flat tire as soon as they get on the highway, which Callista changes and somehow blames on the extra weight in the car because of Young Doe's luggage. A couple hours into the drive, the air conditioning craps out. Also Young Doe's fault. Of course. And when they finally stop at a roadside diner to cool off and get something to eat, Callista's purse is stolen. She's sure that her rotten luck has to do with her freeloading passenger. But when Young Doe sees the thief slip out the back door of the diner, conspicuously carrying Callista's purse, he chases the guy down. Choi Young Doe is not afraid of a fight. We saw plenty of that in Ayers. But when Young Doe catches up to the thief, he has already met up with his two cronies and all three come at Young Doe. He holds his own, even taking out the two lackeys. But just when Young Doe thinks he's going to be victorious, Callista flies out the back door and calls his name, making him lose his focus. The thief delivers a final blow and Young Doe is down for the count. When he wakes up, he's in a strange room and realizes it's a motel. He's not sure how Callista got him here, but he's sure she dumped him and went on her way until he hears water running behind the closed door of the bathroom. A minute later, Callista opens the door and strides toward him with a wet washcloth that looks like it's stained with his blood. I was trying to clean you up before you woke, she tells him. When he sees her purse on the dresser, he grins, then winces from the pain. Did I win, he asks, and Callista laughs. She'd kept her pepper spray in her pocket in case he tried any funny business, and she used it on the thief, grabbed her bag, and somehow dragged Young Doe into the car. She didn't want to take him to the hospital since she knew money was an issue and was hoping she made the right call by bringing him to the motel. She thanks him for what he did, continues to clean his wounds, and tells him that they can still get to L.A. on time if they rest for an hour or two. In that small block of time, she tells him that she's a dancer in a Vegas club. She wanted to be on Broadway, but one thing led to another, and she got stuck in Vegas as a showgirl for the past year. She couldn't bear to face her single mother, who was so proud of her and thought she was a rockette, so she hadn't been home to Crescent City in a year. She didn't even know her mother was sick until it was too late, and now her funeral is in the morning. Looks like they both had been lying to each other. Young Doe tells her about his mom leaving when he was young, about his father and their volatile relationship, and about how he found out that his mom was alive and well, living a new life. All he wants now is to start over, and he hopes that L.A. is going to finally bring him peace. They fall asleep, wrapped in each other's arms for a short while, but they both wake suddenly as if their bodies know they have to get back on the road. Miraculously, the air conditioning works when they get back in the car. Looks like it needed a little rest as well. They drive straight through to Crescent City, making it there an hour before the funeral. Young Doe takes her to the cemetery so she can have some time alone with her mom before everyone else arrives, and Callista tosses him the keys when they get there. He's got enough time to make it to L.A., sleep, and get to the interview. His new life. His do-over. Young Doe hesitates, but then thanks her and gets in the car. He sets the GPS on his phone and gets back on the road. But the further he drives from this stranger he just met, the stranger, it feels, to be going away from her rather than toward her. It makes no sense. He barely even knows her. But he knows that she challenges him and doesn't take an ounce of his shit, something he never knew he needed. He spent his whole life living miserably but knowing his path was set financially. He could take that easy street again, thanks to Kim Tan, or he can try striking out on his own, in life and in love. He turns the car around and heads straight back to the cemetery where Calista is standing alone at her mother's grave. She might hate that he's there. This could be the biggest mistake he's ever made, but for once he wants to put someone else first, to be there for this person he doesn't know, yet doesn't want to leave. 
When her face breaks into a smile at seeing him, Young Do knows he made the right choice. And when she wraps her arms around him, drawing him into an unexpected hug and then a sweet kiss, he's sure that for the first time in a while that it may not be the easy path, but he might finally be on the right one. Oh, that's so much. I loved it all. I loved it all so much. It's perfect. I want to read it. I'm so happy it. for Young Do. <laughs> Because I loved him. This is how he fell in love with Kim Woo-bin. As I've always said, it's the reason why I watched Uncontrollably Fond all through to the bitter, bitter, horrible end. Because he is absolutely magnetic on screen. And I just, I need to see him as a lead in a romantic drama where he gets a happily ever after and no death. Please, (laughs) K-drama gods, please. Please. And now it's time for our favorite segment of the week, our K-Recommendation. And we've got Megan back with a K-pop rec. So NCT 127, which is one of my favorite groups, had their comeback this week. And so I'm going to recommend Sticker by NCT 127. And I do have a couple things to say about this song. When I first listened to it, I didn't like it. It's very weird. If any of you are familiar with K-pop, you know that NCT 127 is a little bit of an experimental group when it comes to sound. That's literally their whole vibe that's how they were created and some of their songs are very strange i would say this one is kind of the weirdest and when i first listened to it it almost wasn't even pleasing to my ears but i started i listened to it several times and now i'm obsessed with it and i hear myself you know randomly around the house going like a sticker like a sticker like so it really sticks in your head just like not to make a pun, but like all NCT 127 songs. And I really think it's worth a listen, especially if you just want to hear something unique that you haven't heard before, because trust me, you have not heard anything like Sticker by NCT 127. And you, I would check out their whole album as well. There's a lot of great songs on it that just came out. The album is also called Sticker, and that's also the title track. So yeah, Sticker by NCT 127. Check it out and it'll be on our playlist. So I just watched this music video the other night because my daughter made me listen to it saying, you have to hear this horrible, horrible song. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm curious that it grows on you. I'm going to have to let her know your thoughts because, yes, it's very discordant. It is. It like when I first listened to it, I thought, oh, my gosh, this isn't even pleasant to listen to what were they thinking like honestly and and it's also well this is one thing that's so funny about it too is it may there was a lot of buzz then about it because people either hated it or loved it i think it's kind of a divisive song but i will say i love it now i really do after listening to it several times but then i do like nct127 there 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 definitely it's definitely a group that there are some people who are not going to like their music but i mean if you listen to their song called fire truck which is also just insanity and weird or cherry bomb both are both are really weird songs that don't kind of follow the traditional trajectory of of, i think songs that we've come to expect so i agree it's really weird music video is very cool though it is so that is i i don't i don't blame her i mean it's weird for sure Right. So just a reminder that we are now on Patreon. We're very excited about it. There's different tiers that you can join. Pretty proud of the names. You can be a boomer alien, a deflowered healer, big drone energy. So if you watch our podcast, then you know what all those mean. So anyway, we will be, if you're a patron, you can get different benefits and bonuses and more content from us. You can vote on deep dives that we'll be taking in the future and just all kinds of extra benefits. Mainly we wanted to create a community where all of you who like to chat with us can kind of chat also with each other. 
and not just us through Instagram DMs with Leah writing paragraphs in response to you. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. Yeah, which is great. I mean, you know, we're very happy that Leah writes such long messages to you guys, but we want you to... (laughs) We want you to be able to talk to to more people about your love of K-dramas. So please check us out at Afternoon of Delight podcast on Patreon. And that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com. Yay. I'm excited. Yeah, I am excited too. I cannot wait to chat more. (laughs) All right. Well, I'm going to get into my SOS. So my second male lead comes from the drama Startup. And this is a drama that revolves around a love triangle between Sadal Mi, played by Bay Suzy, who is a scrappy wannabe CEO who considers software engineer Nam Do San, played by Nam Ju Hyuk, the man whom she only has met through letters as her first love. And look, she's unaware that the letters were actually penned by orphan Han Ji Pyeon played by Kim Sun-ho, who was convinced by her granny to write to her because she was such a lonely child. He plucked the pen name Nam Do-san out of the headlines, seeing an article about a kid who won a prestigious math competition. And through these letters, these two lonely young people found meaning and connection. So cut to the present, and Sadalmi joins Sandbox, which is Korea's version of a Silicon Valley incubator in the drama. And her big goal is to get ahead of her estranged and business-savvy sister. She ends up leading Namdo-san's startup as their CEO, and her mentor is, dun-dun-dun, Ji Pyeon. So I'm not going to get any more into this plot because we are doing startup in two weeks and Amy hasn't even seen it yet. So I feel like it would be a disservice to talk about it much more detail than that. Suffice it to say it leans in hard to the Cyrano troop. And I love that. I'm excited for that so much. And I appreciate you not spoiling it for me. So thank you. No worries. And it's not really a spoiler that Good Boy is a second male lead. I feel like if you ever have been on social media, <laughs> like it's clear that Good Boy is the second male lead. So that doesn't feel like a big spoiler, unlike some of the other shows that I will not talk about until we have deep dive them together in which I can finally have that moment. But for today, I'm going to give Good Boy an SOS. Good Boy is his nickname in the drama because he is such a good boy to Dalmi's Helmoni. And I'm going to pull my dimple dappled bow from the icy waters of rejection and let him bask in the warm glow of love and family. Oh, I love his dimples. In this little drama vignette. <laughs> his dimples are so good. Yeah. And in Hometown Cha Cha Cha, the best even better. The best. 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 So I'm calling this drama Lost in Lavender. I love it. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> Han Ji Pyeon is lost, literally and figuratively. His self-driving car is unable to connect to GPS here in the rolling hills of South Korea's eastern seaboard. He checks his smartwatch for a signal and mutters with frustration. Yep, he's in a dead zone. He rakes a hand through his hair, wondering why is he here 300 kilometers away from his venture capital firm? Because look, he's not a guy given to impulsive action. But a getaway to the coast for seafood and surfing seemed like a good idea to allow his broken heart space and time to heal. But now he's rapidly getting annoyed and hangry after skipping breakfast and lunch. The car slams to a sudden stop jerking him forward. Luckily, the self-driving vehicle braked before running over an adorable Helmoni who had fallen off her bike in the middle of the road. 
The old woman is woozy, but manages to indicate her home is back the way he just came. As he tries to check her over for injuries, she gives him a once-over, announcing that he's too skinny and needs to eat more. Does he have a girlfriend? And how much money does he make? Because that car looks expensive. <laughs> Gpion. <laughs> I love that you gave him a, gran- a granny. Good job. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, obviously. Yeah, had to give him a granny. <laughs> Gpion takes a deep breath enduring her rapid fire nosiness. If there are two things he is good at in life, it's making money and respecting a granny. <laughs> that trait even earned him a nickname, Good Boy. <laughs> well, Good Boy needs to get granny home. And as she refuses to leave her bicycle, he is forced to cram it into the car's trunk, which is more sized for city errands than holding a rusty 10 speed. She directs him off the country road and onto a bumpy path. It's a lovely June evening and the sun is highlighting a wide purple sea. What is this? Good boy blinks as he inhales the sweet perfume. Lavender. Granny owns a lavender farm. And there, out in the field, crouches a woman holding a basket and clipping sprigs of lavender with pruning shears. When she notices Gpion helping Granny out of the car and the mangled bike, the young woman comes running. This is Cho Sujin. She is a gardener from the nearby town who lives and works on the farm. Jipyeong can't help but notice she is stunning, even with her baggy work clothes and the smudge of dirt on the tip of her nose. What can he say? He's an observant guy. And he also can't miss that Granny is suddenly far more sprightly. In fact, not only does she insist on cooking him dinner, but she won't hear of him trying to leave to find his beachside hotel nearby. He will sleep here in her guest house. And when Sujin knits her brows saying that's where she sleeps as well, Granny, Granny waves her off. Jipyeon <laughs> steals his resolve. He isn't here to be set up by a matchmaking granny, but she won't take no for her answer. Reluctantly, he agrees to sleep in the guest house, but only for a single night. Sujin is volunteered to help him get settled. And as they make their way to the guest house, she also comments that his car looks expensive. He tells her not to get any ideas and is surprised and miffed when she laughs in his face. Because she wasn't asking about his car because she was impressed. It looked like a giant waste of money. She points out the rusty truck parked near the barn. That's hers. It might not look like much, but it takes her where she wants to go. And better yet, she's the one in the driver's seat, not getting lost because his smart car can't figure out what to do next. With that, she dumps his bag on the front steps to the guest house and tells him the biggest room is hers, so keep out. And stalks off into the twilight. As much as he wants to deny it, her words hit strangely close to home. It's strange because usually he's the one who shares the hard truths. And stranger still because he now has the sense of deja vu that hits him as soon as he enters the home. He could swear he's been here before, but how? That's impossible. Still, he moves through the small home with familiarity. And when he finds a scribble on the inside of the closet, he flashes back to a woman's voice saying, I go, young ho. He faints, waking up to Sujin slapping his cheeks. She She's come to fetch him for dinner and found him unconscious in the spare room on the floor. After convincing him that he wasn't unwell and didn't have a secret drinking problem, they returned to the main house for a meal. Granny's put on a huge spread, so many side dishes and so delicious. Despite feeling unsettled, Gpion pushes away the unease and genuinely enjoys the home-cooked meal. Having been raised as an orphan, this type of experience still feels like a novelty. He realizes that Granny and Sujin are going into business, not just selling their lavender wholesale, but making soaps and skincare products. But they don't know anything about selling their wares online. The next morning, they're amazed that Gpion has set up an entire online store that's modern, cute, and easy to navigate. He says it's payment for the accommodation. But Granny, she's not ready to let him leave so easily. She asks for his help in the fields for the day. She and Sujin both poke fun at his city accent and say some hard, honest labor will be good for him. 
While he protests, he's secretly pleased that they want him to stick around. Sunji brings him some work clothes and says they belong to Granny's son, who died tragically in a sad accident Granny doesn't ever discuss. Sujin doesn't know much about the details, but she's honestly more focused on wondering if Jipyeon can keep up on the farm. Jipyeon might be a city boy, but he's also competitive and scrappy. Skills that served him well as he had to make his own way in the world. Soon there are fun and games involving competitions on picking flowers, digging trenches, and ends up with them spraying each other with hoses. And noticing that perhaps they both look pretty attractive in wet clothing. One day turns into two, then three, then four. Working on a lavender farm is not how Jipyeon expected to spend his rare vacation, but he admits that this place feels comforting and familiar almost. He loves Granny's sassiness and Sujin's spice. He's intrigued by her green thumb and her ability to grow anything. When she takes him on a tour of her greenhouse on the property where she propagates rare plants, it's not just the humid air of the glass house that's feeling hot. Granny interrupts an almost kiss, telling Jipyeon that a storm from the night before has knocked a few shingles loose from her roof. Would he be a deer and go patch them up? Of course, Jipyeon might be a deer, but he is also a man, and he gets distracted on the roof watching Sujin hanging laundry in the wind, her long black hair whipping wildly as she hums to herself. He slips and falls to the ground, hurting his back. As he lays looking up at the sky, he has another memory, one of being in the same long green grass and watching the clouds, breathing in the smell of lavender. So... I felt like I got carried away and made this way too long already. So here's just a flash forward of how things are going to go from here. So spoilers to my made up drama. <laughs> it's going to turn out that yes, this was a farm that Jipion knew quite well. So his father had died in a tractor accident on the farm. He was Granny's son and Granny and Jipion's mother had a terrible fight after his death because they were both out of their minds with grief. Jipion's mother took him to Seoul in a hasty decision to restart her life. But on their first day, she was hit by a car in a crosswalk, dying but pushing her toddler to safety before spilling buckets of blood everywhere. No one, of course, knew who the little child belonged to, so he ends up alone in an orphanage. Just don't think too hard about <laughs> it. He just does. <laughs> so, dun-dun-dun, Granny really is Jipion's granny, a granny who's been searching for him for decades. Also, we learned that Sujin used to play with Jipion as a little kiddo because fuck yes, we do. Childhood connection. Check, check, check. So Sujin is able to facilitate a reunion and teach Jipion the value of growing things besides the size of his investment portfolio. And in the end, he realized he got lost only to be found and decides to make his new sweet life out in the lavender permanent. Oh, my God. Gosh. Yeah, I love that so much. And that would make a really great, like, entire drama. I would watch it. A full drama. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't put in a cast of characters, but let me tell you, I was like, this is getting very long and I'm not even really, like, at (laughs) very I loved it. it. Oh, my God. And it's just so perfect for everything. I loved it, loved it, loved it. For Hanji Pion. And I know that people feel really strongly about his character, and I think you did him justice. So good job. Thank you. And me, me, I'm excited. Yeah. As I am excited now that when I watch this drama, I know that he has a happily ever right? after waiting for him afterwards. It's cathartic, yeah, I tell you. It. <laughs> it is. Good boy is a good boy. But yeah, I, I agree. It's cathartic for us to write these, I think. Because then in my mind, he, they're like happy, you know? Yeah, it really, it's a very pleasing right. thing. And I liked the idea of like, for him, I was like, yeah, since he was like so focused on like growth of wealth, I thought they would be like a good parallel to, you know, make him get his hands dirty. Yeah, I love that. No, it was really well done, like yeah, thematically, all of it. Like, yeah, checked all my boxes. The childhood connection was great. 
I know. I Anyway, you can only hope that someday you can get these things. Although Hometown Cha-Cha-Cha, I think also gives Good Boy a second act too. I feel like, um, Megan, I'm excited for you to start it. And I think that Amy, you're really going to want to watch it after you see Startup. So we're not going to do a romance book wreck today because we kind of just like wrote you all books. <laughs> so <laughs> why don't we just go on to... All right. Well, then that's it for tonight, I guess. It's a weird note to end on. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. We will see you next time. Annyeong. Kamsamnida. Thank you for listening to Afternoon of Delight. Make sure to subscribe for more great K Romance conversation. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Afternoon of Delight Podcast for more information on our podcast, behind the scenes photos, and of course, pics of our favorite Opas and Anis. Annyeong.